0: Have questions about your health? A simple pill won't fix your problems, and there's so many points and opinions on the internet that a web search just leaves you more confused. So why not take the time and listen to those who know best? Rider University's Health Studies Institute presents Health Four One One: Truthful Health Information to expand your knowledge and perspective right here and now. So let's bring it you to your host, Dr. Jonathan Carp, Professor of Biology, Behavioral Neuroscience, and Health Sciences.
1: 1077 bronx 1077TheBronch.com, proudly nominated for a National Association of Broadcasters 2019 Marconi Award for Best College Radio Station. We are live from the Killarney's Public House Studios at Ryder University. I'm Dr. Jonathan Karp. The Ryder University Health Studies Institute presents Health 411, Truthful Health Information to Expand Your Knowledge and Perspective. The Rider University Health Studies Institute communicates cross-disciplinary perspectives affecting health and wellness, public health, healthcare policy, and the business of healthcare. Antonio Conti, our producer and I are in the studio today with Dr. Lori Prohl, assistant professor at Rider University in the Department of Graduate Education, Leadership and Counseling, and our topic today is in Dr. Prohl's area. We're going to talk about nursing with an emphasis on nurse practitioners. Um, So let's start with some background, Dr. Hoke. Can you please tell us a little bit about yourself?
2: Yeah. Hi, John. Um, So I am from New Jersey. I love New Jersey. (laughs) I've lived all over New Jersey. Jersey Jersey. strong. Jersey strong. And um, nursing was not my original degree when I went into college, but my mom's a nurse. My grandma's a nurse. My uncle's a nurse. And eventually, I think the bug just came out once I entered college. Um, I enjoy nursing because I think the body is Fascinating in the way it responds to illness, disease, in the way you can almost recover yourself if you're healthy and well. Um, so, so I loved my studies. I went to Pace University for undergrad, and my RN career began in the hospital, Most like most nurses, okay. uh, telemetry units. I also did a little while in maternity, but I knew after my first year um, that my love for community health and population health way outweighed, you know, I like the fact that you could do something for people through wellness, through screening, through monitoring, through health management before they ever reached the hospital. Okay. So I almost immediately went back to get my um, MSN as a nurse practitioner.
1: Okay, now, um, just to, to step back a little bit, yeah. um, one of the things I've noticed being around nurses, they mm-hmm. throw a lot of letters at you.
2: Oh, sorry uh, about uh,
1: that. Uh, that's okay. So we're going to get a step back. Okay. And I also want to talk about an overview of nursing. There are different levels of nursing what? training. Not all nurses are the same. It can start out with, you know, associate's degree, RN type things, mm-hmm. all the way up to doctorates, okay. which is what you have. Can you take us a little bit through that sort of hierarchy of the nursing yes. profession, so we, so everybody's on the same page of what it's we're a talking great, about.
2: It's a great question. I'm glad you asked it. I often forget we um, have very large alphabet soups after our mm. name, and that nobody understands. And, yeah, yeah, and immune, um, sometimes we even get confused as yeah, nurses. The,
1: the nursing profession is almost as bad as immunologists. <laughs> <laughs> They're throwing letters at you. So, yeah, Tony um, is not. So
2: let's let's kay. we'll start at the beginning. <laughs> to become an RN or a registered nurse, um, you can actually uh, go through three education pathways. You can be a diploma graduate. And the diploma graduates have kind of gone by the wayside, but this was a very, very popular degree early on. Both my both my grandmother and my mother were diploma graduates before moving on. And it's typically three years, very clinical focused, uh, lots of work in the hospital. Um, brilliant, brilliant clinicians uh, from these diploma schools. There's no question, but there, was, there wasn't really a lot of college credits years ago. Okay, so it's, so they, it's a
1: very, very focused program. Very focused, very on only intense. Mainly things program. related to nursing. Correct,
2: skills. correct. Okay. Um, so then, then there's an associate degree level. Um, and that's typically available in, in community colleges, obviously. Okay. And um, that typically runs two years, two years full time. Uh, sometimes people do it part time because they may be working and the community colleges may be a better fit for them. Um, I've taught in those programs too, very uh, intense clinical programs, um, develops phenomenal clinicians out of these associate degree programs. Mm-hmm. Um, and they can also sit for the RN boards. And the RN boards are called the NCLEX, if you've ever heard yeah. that term. So That's the national exam. So
1: somebody has come through either a diploma program or an associate's, like a community college program. Mm-hmm. The degree that they would get in order to practice is an RN.
2: They mu- Yes. So um, then there's another, there's a third. Oh, okay. Then oh, there's the bachelor's of science in nursing. Mm-hmm. That's the traditional four-year Four-year four, four degree, degree in nursing. The main difference between the bachelor's of science in nursing and the associate in diploma, Diploma is Bachelor's of Science, uh, Associate Diploma just involves more focusing on the individuals, focusing on the skills, focusing on patient care. The BSN kind of adds more of that liberal arts education, those critical thinking skills. They add that aspect of community health and wellness mm-hmm. and population health. Um, So more of a traditional four-year college experience. Very much a traditional four-year experience. So Mm -hmm. basically, if when I went to take my NCLEX boards, I could be sitting at a table with a diploma school graduate, an associate degree graduate, and myself as a BSN graduate. So you can graduate with a degree in nursing, okay? And that's Mm -hmm. wonderful. Mm -hmm. That's a huge accomplishment. That doesn't mean that you're an RN. (laughs) You need to take the NCLEX exam, which is a national exam. So everybody comes out of these individual programs and takes this national. So again, wh- wh- what, national. Is that, what
1: does the NCLEX stand for? Oh, gosh, I knew
2: you were going to ask that. <laughs> <National, laughs> Where alphabet soup? I don't know. Licensure exam, I think. Okay. I can't think of what the C stands okay. for. Okay, with a bunch of letters. Um, Sorry, I haven't taught an NCLEX program in a little while, but yes, it's it's uh, it's it's yes, yeah, more letters, more alphabet soup. See, I told you, we don't even know our alphabet <laughs> soup. Um, but that is a national level exam. Um, it's aggregated results across the nation. So all these people coming in from all these different programs take
1: these take all these all, exams. All sit for the RN.
2: All sit for the same. And then they're li- And then and then you. once you pass the exam, well, that's wonderful. But then you still have to go back to your state that you plan on practicing in. And apply for your license, mm-hmm. and that is what makes you a registered nurse. Okay. Lots of steps.
1: Lots, lots of steps. Lots of steps. And if somebody then wanted to go beyond being a registered nurse, what what, what are some more letters that you can get okay, after your name? Okay, so
2: more letters. So so let me talk about the nurse practitioner. Yeah, okay. So the nurse practitioner um, to go into nurse practitioner level programs. And currently, nurse practitioner, uh, people can sit for the nurse practitioner exams if they graduate from a master's of science in nursing mm-hmm. program or a doctorate nurse practitioner program. And we'll talk, I'll talk more about the differences between these programs. Um, but they go through these programs that meet accreditation requirements that include the nurse practitioner competencies that you need to sit for the NP exams. So very similar to the RN, yes. you complete this program. You meet the competencies and then you you apply to take a certification exam. Now, a little different than the NCLEX. The NCLEX is one exam, whole nation, everybody takes it.
1: Sort of like um, the boards that somebody would take mm-hmm. in medical school, or somebody becomes a lawyer has yes. to take it. Okay. Exactly
2: yeah. that. That's registered nursing. Okay. It, as nurse practitioners, you can, there are two actually national organizations that offer nurse practitioner examinations. Um, and you can take it through either one of those. Uh, they are different. The exams are different. I've taken both of them. The exams are different, mostly in the formatting, though, not, not the content. Okay. So it's just a matter of the, the formatting that you choose. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them is from the American Nurses Credentialing uh, Center, and the other one is from the American Academy our American Association, I think they call it now, of Nurse partic- certified nurse practitioners.
1: Okay, so I it think it's a little bit, I'm, a, I'm trying to make analogies for anybody who's listening. Mm-hmm. It could be a little bit like the licensing exam somebody might take coming out of medical school versus somebody, or MD school versus mm-hmm. a DO school. Correct. Right, it's the same sort of content, but just presented Correct. by a different accrediting organization. Correct. Okay. Yes,
2: yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, for a while, we thought those two exams would merge. Um, but for now, they still they still stand alone. Um, but now the you, same, same. You've
1: you've gone above and beyond even that, because you went and earned a doctorate.
2: Well, that's that's a uh. whole different story. So, <laughs> so but it's the same concept as once they pass that national certification uh. exam, you go back to your state that you're going to practice okay. in. Oh, okay. You apply for your licensure. Um, to practice with the scope of practice of an advanced practice nurse or or nurse practitioner. And all nurse practitioners—registered nurse is a generalist, meaning you can practice across all the populations, all populations, Mm -hmm. pediatrics to geriatrics. Uh, Nurse practitioners are specialized. So although family kind of brings you from cradle to grave— There could be just an adult, adult acute care, pediatrics, women's health, where you just focus on that specialty. So that's another kind of little difference between the two.
1: So as you start out in in either diploma or associate degree program, the the pyramid's a very, very wide pyramid. Yes. Right? And as your education goes up, as you get more letters after your name, Mm RN to MSN to doctorate, you become more and more focused on something very, very specific. Yes. Cool. And that's what we're dealing with. And you are, tell us like where you are. You have a a doctorate in nursing.
2: So I actually, my doctorate. So what was interesting was when I was considering going back for doctoral studies, that was the time that the doctorate in nursing practice came out and um, it was recommended. And the reason why the doctorate in nursing practice was recommended is they wanted, um, they wanted advanced practice nurses to be practicing at the doctoral level because they found from the To Eris Human uh, that there were, they needed practitioners to understand. Larger healthcare organizations and systems, and be able to manage and make changes there, because you can't just take care of one person, one person, one person. You're not you're not making a substantial change. Right. And the other piece was nobody was communicating with each other. So we have doctorate of uh, physical therapy at a doctoral level. We have medical doctors, mm-hmm. obviously. We had several other allied health uh, professions looking at the doctoral degree. So you know, you you if you want to sit at the table. You need to be prepared
1: to communicate with these people.
2: To communicate with them,
1: and it's one of the things that happens in healthcare: is mm-hmm. as you become, as you go through your educational training, you become more and more specialized. Mm-hmm. But as you're becoming more and more specialized, you have a more global perspective and a greater ability to communicate right. with people in other disciplines and, right. and work with that. Yeah.
2: yeah. So, so the DMP kind of came out when I was looking, but I, um, I really wanted a um, to continue my career in academia. And, and as,
1: we want to hear about that that's going to be a big right. focus as of, you know of our that program. That,
2: that would be a research doctor at PhD.
1: PA yep, today. Yep. So, so. Um, we'll hear more about this. We're going to take some breaks or some underwriting announcements. You're listening to Health 411 on 1077 The Bronx and 1077TheBronx.com.
0: A dose of knowledge a day keeps a doctor away. Rider University's Health Studies Institute presents Health 411. And back with your daily dosage is Dr. Jonathan Carr, Professor of Biology, Behavioral Neuroscience, and Health Sciences.
1: 1077 The Bronx, 1077thebronch.com, live from the Killarney's Public House Studios. Welcome back to Health 411. We're in the studio with Dr. Lori Prohl, and we are talking about nursing, and we're going to have an emphasis on a nurse uh, practitioners. And at the end of the last segment, we were talking sort of about the educational sequence of nursing and how one gets into it and how one might progress from a m- the more generalist moving through degrees. Um, and Antonio, you had a question about that.
2: Yeah, so where in this pyramid would you fall if, say, like, for example, me, right, I am going to graduate with a bachelor's degree um, from biology. Mm -hmm. So where in the pyramid would someone like me who would graduate not with necessarily a nursing focus, where in the pyramid would I fall if I wanted to pick up a nursing degree or pursue nursing after this? Um, that's a great question, and I would say you fall at a very good spot because you majored in biology. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's likely that a lot of your courses that you've you've completed in your degree will carry over and be able to bring you in nursing. Now, ultimately, you need to get that RN, right? You need to sit for the NCLEX and get that RN. So that is very specifically going through that nursing program. And as we as we discussed, what are the three ways you enroll after that into a diploma school program? An associates program or a baccalaureate program. Now my advice to a biology major that's ready to graduate that says they want nursing is you already, have a bi- you already have a baccalaureate degree. You've achieved great success in that. Don't go backwards. Don't go to an associate program or diploma program. Stay at the baccalaureate level. There are some uh, programs are, that are called accelerated. Many of them call it accelerated or second bachelor's programs. So basically, you would go it, enroll in these programs, they would look at the courses you've already completed, and there are certain courses you do have to complete, human, which I'm imagining a biology major would have completed, human mm-hmm. anatomy, physiology, micro, uh, chemistry, yep. statistics, mm-hmm. um, nutrition, nutrition yeah. um, So if, as long as you've completed these courses, you would be able to transition right into the nursing courses. Now these programs are interesting because they're very intense. It's all nursing. Typically, they're full-time, although there are part-time available. But most people, after they've already completed one baccalaureate degree, you're ready to go out there. You're ready to work. You know what you want to do. So it's it's good that these programs graduate you quickly and get you out there and get you licensed and practicing in an area that you love. yeah, and,
1: you know, writer students in the past who have come through our program who do finish either a biology, behavioral mm-hmm. neuroscience, or even health science degree, um, who go to these programs, usually complete them in 18 months to 24 months, depending on the school and where yes. they're going. And it's it's basically they've had the sort of the, the more general college education experience, mm-hmm. but they, they need some specific training in mm-hmm. the rules or regulations and what right. is nursing.
2: Right. Mm -hmm. And because these baccalaureate, well, because all nursing programs are Mm -hmm. um, accredited by uh, organizations Mm -hmm. and there's oversight from the state of New Jersey, there are certain elements that you must have. There are certain courses that you must have. That's the rationale for taking all of those liberal arts courses and science courses early on. So when you get there, you're really just taking those required nursing courses and the various specialties.
1: Yeah. And I just want to put it out there, Antonia. Historically here at Rider, some of our brightest and most motivated students have done those mm-hmm. programs. Yes. Right. And then they've had, they're having now that many of them are out there practicing and having careers. That they're very happy people. Yeah. I've
2: had the pleasure of talking to two students just recently that are in the um, health science major Mm -hmm. that are seeking nursing just to try to give them the advice and get them on the right Mm -hmm. path. And, um, you know, these accelerated programs are intense, not that you can't be completing your liberal arts with them, but 18 to 24 months to learn how to be a nurse. Um, it's So as, as many courses as you can complete where you can just focus on nursing, it'll just enhance your success.
1: Yeah, you gotta you got really want to do it. And you said an important thing too um, early on in the first segment is that both males and females are doing this. This is not a profession that's... Limited. you said I think you said your uncle was my a little, uncle yeah, yes yeah. yes
2: yeah. Um, yes so men are still the minority mm. in nursing there's no question um, but the the numbers are absolutely increasing mm. and with that to Air's human report um, it was also noted that there was just we needed actions to mitigate health disparities which includes the people that go for their care they want to receive care from people that are look like them. Yep. We're raised like them. We're in the same culture as them,
1: and, yeah, that's, and that's important too. Especially at, in a multi ethnic community, mm-hmm. you want people who speak the same language, yes. who look like you, sound, have the same background as you. Mm-hmm. Even though, you know, healthcare is in a sense healthcare, right? People, yeah.
2: Hel- that. The healthcare population should look like the population, yeah, right? Absolutely. Um, so, so yes. Yeah, so, um, I've worked with many male nurses. I've had them as students in my class. Um, the, you know extremely passionate mm-hmm. about about the degree i i can't tell you many of them you know see themselves as any different you know it's we're all the same yeah
1: they fit we're right in we're all the
2: same we fit right uh, in there you go we all have the same common if you find
1: a career and you're passionate about it you're yeah. probably going to end up being successful yes. and enjoy it and yes. and what you what might be hard work to an outsider is like no and i'm loving this it's yeah. not it's not hard work yeah. and i'm also noticing too, with um Professionalism with, with all these accrediting bodies that you mentioned, with mm-hmm. all these exams and kinds of things like that, it's mm-hmm. it's creating a professional um, network, a professional nursing um, kind of hierarchy that's happening, much like that would happen in the medical profession. Mm-hmm. You know, 150 years ago, when you you had to get away from snake oil salesmen, mm-hmm. what did they start to do? They started accrediting medical schools, having right. national exams, and that way there was like standardization from state to state. Yes. So you people at certain levels, you you knew what these people could do, you knew what they what they knew, and it, right. cre- it, it created, um, it made physicians going from, be, from being like barbers to being respect, yes. high levels of respect in the community, yeah. and it sounds like a lot of this is still happening in the nursing profession. It's an yeah. ongoing process. I can process. give
2: you a great example yeah, that. Go ahead. That yeah. just happened um, back in 2006 uh, mm-hmm. in the nurse practitioner uh, profession, they found that there were programs out there. Remember, I said there's all these different specialties, but mm-hmm. there were programs out there that there wasn't really continuity between the specialties, between the exams. There was actually several states that you didn't even have to take the certification exam to receive your advanced practice licensure. The first state I practiced in, in New York, and by the way, this is still in existence, yeah. I didn't have to pass my exam. I, I could immediately just go in with my education and get licensed. But the... Um, the National Council of State Boards of Nursing came together and said, this is a problem because if you're licensed in a state, you should be able to move between state and state. Mm-hmm. And um, they came down and they came up with something called the LACE model. And they required that- <laughs> More letters, eh? LACE. <laughs> uh, yeah, sorry. Um, LACE model. So that stands for licensure, accreditation, certification, and examination. Um, so basically it means the program's That license you should be accredited, they should complete a certification exam, um, and the education levels should all be the same. Yeah, so it's creating standards in the profession. It's creating a national standard to have you be qualified to take the certification exam. And
1: one of the things that um, even at my level as an academic we're seeing happen is in the old days, hospitals would hire RNs Mm -hmm. um, and that those were staffed hospitals. But we're seeing now for— Business reasons, insurance reasons, RNs aren't necessarily enough now. People have found out, like you said, as you get more and more education, you get a more global perspective, and insurance companies are finding that people with that bigger perspective make fewer mistakes. Mm. And so they're going to hiring not just RNs, but they want somebody with a BSN.
2: Correct. Yeah. So um, that also, so that baccalaureate level, mm. um, came also from that to air human report. Soon after that, the IOM came out with a future of nursing report. And that's where they really made recommendations as far as advancing degrees, where they wanted the registered nurse to move to the baccalaureate level degree, the BSN, and they wanted the nurse practitioners and advanced practice nurses, um, other advanced practice nurses besides nurse practitioners, by the way, are nurse midwives, clinical nurse specialists, certified registered nurse anesthetists. They, uh, The recommendations for them was to move to that doctorate of nursing practice to take more of that systems holistic look at health care.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yes. So we are still in transition. Now, by the way, the initial recommendation from the American Nurses Association to take nursing to an entry-level degree of a baccalaureate degree came back the year I was born. That was 1970. So this recommendation has been long into place. We just mm-hmm. have now additional information to validate. To back, it, <laughs> back it up. So, to back it up, so, yes. So, so
1: the decision was made, and now they're collecting the data that supports yes, the decision yes. that and was Yes, and it's getting
2: brought- stronger and stronger. And, and honestly, um we can talk more about magnet institutions later, but it's uh, having uh, nurses with advanced degrees is, is critical if you're at institutions seeking magnet status.
1: Yeah. And it, I can imagine it improves communication, it improves outcomes, it mm-hmm. improves the... The patient experience. It, en- all the-
2: it engages the nurses into the clinical decision-making that are made in the organization. I right. mean, these are the people that are caring for the patients day in, day out on the same unit. So they're seeing the changes firsthand.
1: Yeah. I think the what I'm going to call the changing uh, medical landscape would be a great place to start off in our next segment. But okay. we're going to take a break for some underwriting announcements. You're listening to Health 411 on 1077 The Bronx and 1077thebronc.com.
0: From healthcare to the environment around us, and everything in between, Ryder University's Health Studies Institute presents Health 411. Dr. Jonathan Carr, Professor of Biology, Behavioral Neuroscience, and Health Sciences, is here expanding your knowledge and perspective.
1: 1077 the Bronx 1077 the Live from Killarney's Public House Studios, welcome back to Health 411. I'm Dr. Jonathan Carp in the studio today with Dr. Lori Prohl, who is an assistant professor here at Rider University, and she is taking over our nursing-related programs here at Rider University, which I'm sure we will hear more about because they're targeted. Even though we don't teach nursing per se, there are aspects of the continuing Educational pyramid that we do talk about, mm-hmm. but we want to start this segment, and we're going to talk about the changing medical landscape and the role of nurses and particularly nurse practitioners in that landscape. Can you tell us a little bit about? You're nodding, so you're getting what I'm saying. People who can't, who don't know, get what I'm saying, can you explain it?
2: <laughs> so, so I can speak from the primary care perspective, yes. and that's that's where I'm assuming you're coming yes. from. Um, it, Primary care is, is necessary to keep our nation healthy.
1: Now, primary, care, primary it, it care, means it's the entry point for people into the healthcare system? Right.
2: So, primary care is defined in a few different ways, but primary care means kind of the entry level to the healthcare system for a patient. They're embedded in the community, and they take a holistic look at the patient. Um, you can enter a primary care and still have a chronic disease. It's not that they only take care of wellness, but the focus is on wellness because even with people with chronic disease need wellness interventions, need screenings. Mm -hmm. So that's really the definition of of primary care is being in the community, being the entry level of practice and taking that holistic look at the patient.
1: Okay. And Nurses and probably and,
2: and be accessible. By the way, I should okay. add that you you should be able to get to your primary care provider.
1: Mm-hmm. And and so when we talk about nurse practitioners, mm-hmm. these are people who um, sort of do triage or they're, they're gatekeepers. Uh, nurse
2: practitioners, so as a primary care provider, as, as a nurse practitioner, you would, your actions are the same as a primary care provider, a doctor of osteopathy that is a, a primary care provider, a physician assistant that's a primary right. well, care provider.
1: In my notes, I wanted to, to not to cut you off, but yeah. I guess I, I, guess I, I will I'll, I'll exercise my prerogative to do that. Okay. What's the difference then between a nurse practitioner, an MD, a DO, and a PA? Our education. Okay, so tell us, like, there, oh there's boy. a— there, this is a there, big question, there, John. It, it, It's a huge question, <laughs> and, and, but everybody's going to school. Oh there's a God. lot of school—well, all the letters you were throwing out, okay. there's a lot of schooling involved, there's a lot of training, okay. and there's a lot of overlap yes. in the jobs, which is—the which is, reality is, so what's the difference?
2: So there, there is some overlap in what we do as primary care mm-hmm. providers. We can diagnose, we can assess, we can treat— right mm-hmm. you come Absolutely. in you come in with bronchitis i can ask you questions i can listen to your lungs i can prescribe you medication and then i can follow you up to make sure you got better we all can do that mm-hmm. however we are all very distinct professions nurse practitioners are based in nursing the medical field is based in medicine physicians assistants are ultimately based in medicine mm-hmm because the, med- the 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 medical that's how they were created and typically physician assistants that are licensed are licensed under medical boards by the way mm-hmm. we as nurses stand alone we are building upon our registered nurse experiences to advance our practice further so that's the difference is is the way we are educated and where our professional backgrounds come from but some of the actions that we do yes are the, are the same
1: exactly the same Now, should somebody be concerned if they go into a medical office or a primary care clinic and they meet a D.O., M.D., P.A., L.P.N., you know, N.P.? (laughs) <laughs> now I'm okay. doing the letter now thing. Now you're doing the alphabet <laughs> so, but, soup. But is it something that somebody should be aware of on the terms of the kind of care they can expect?
2: Yes. So, um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna pull out the one you said. LPN is a licensed practical mm-hmm, nurse. Mm-hmm. That's not at the uh, same level as being a provider. Oh, okay? okay. So that's okay. a licensed practical okay. nurse. That you can actually that is before the RN role. Mm. So actually, LPNs very skilled people, um, very skilled programs, typically about a year. And then the RNs kind of build on top of that. So an RN would actually supervise an LPN. Um, But as far as what the public should be aware of Mm -hmm. is um, they've all, all those professions have received the required training based on the national, based on the national standards, as far as can they assess you? Can they diagnose you? Can they treat you effectively and follow you up? That's, that's probably what you should what I would tell everybody okay. is, is they've, they've all, they've all received that. It's just based on different, um, in, in different professions.
1: Okay. And f- as a, as a first point contact into the healthcare system, does it matter?
2: In my opinion, it does not. Okay. Um, it's, it's more along the lines of, You know, you want to have that connection with your primary care provider. That primary care provider you hope to have a very long relationship with, they should know you and know you well. Um, The fact that my primary care provider took care of me through the stresses of my Ph.D. or the stresses of my husband's deployment, she knew at those times to— be a little extra kind, you know, <laughs> she, she ultimately, she knew, she knew I was going through those struggles. So she knew to take the time to, to really discuss issues with me when I went in to see her, it, they, they become part of your, your family so, member, So you want a personal connection. You want someone to connect to, whether that's an MD, whether that's a PA, whether that's a nurse practitioner, as long as you feel comfortable going to them and you have trust in them.
1: That's well, crucial. I'm going to ask this. Is it fair to say one of the things that's changing in the medical landscape—I um, mean, it's a joke, but it's a sad thing—is you know, you meet a physician, you get you get your 15 minutes or less with the person, and then their head never comes out of their computer because they're typing as they're mm. talking to you, and then they get up and leave. That somebody who might be tr- has a different training and focus. Let's say, like a nurse practitioner, might spend more time with you, make eye contact with you, build a relationship mm-hmm. with you. Is that and so as the medical landscape. Is part of the professionalization filling that need mm-hmm.
2: so um not necessarily because okay. ultimately businesses need to thrive mm-hmm. um so you know it's let's not marginalize out a certain population along the professions it doesn't mean that nurse practitioners or pas don't have those con- time constraints as far as how often their patients are scheduled it's it is a matter of and again this is across all the professions using those, using that time to be quality time. Yes, it's brief. Yes, it's short. But you're right. If your face is in a computer, you don't feel listened to. So there are certain strategies that you learn. And unfortunately, with with informatics and health informatics, our faces are in computers now. We're sorry. We're we're, we're sorry. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, I think it's just a matter of using that time wisely. You know, there's support Mm -hmm. personnel you can also use to gather some information early so when you're in there with the patient, you can have eye contact, you can make people feel listened to,
1: yeah. So is part of one of the things uh, that's changing is the role of um, insurance companies in guiding what happens when the interaction between a healthcare provider and a patient? Um, Do you see that in your work?
2: I... The, well, in my, in my position, so I'm a nurse practitioner at the CVS Minute Clinic. It's a retail health mm-hmm. clinic where we're all over the nation. Um, and I, I love my position because I'm a primary care provider. I'm practicing independently in the clinic. Um, the way that I – and I'm accessible. We're, we're open seven days a week. So I'm, I'm always there. You know, your doctor's on vacation or your primary care provider is closed that day. I'm there. You can, you can come to see me without going to the emergency room. So the, the, only, the main struggles I see with insurance is if, if a certain primary care provider is not a member of that insurance plan, then you can't, take, you can't take that patient. Now, there's always an option of patient pay, paying out of pocket, which, again, that's why I love my CVS Minute Clinic, because those costs are, are low, they try to keep mm-hmm. those costs low. Um, so, but yes, insurance companies are only reimbursing um, certain amounts, and um, especially with um, if you've ever watched if you if you have time, rent from Netflix "Escape Fire," which is <laughs> fascinating, uh, that's and that will tell it? you that will tell you the struggles it's a beautiful st- it, it will tell you the struggles of the of a primary care provider of of a, particularly this one that obviously had that caring piece but struggled so much because she could earn you know the basically the premise of the story is you could earn more money doing surgery on somebody than you can earn educating them on nutrition or smoking cessation now i think i think we're moving in a better direction where you can you can bill for counseling but um it's Yes, it does cause constraints because if you're not reimbursed – you know, sometimes you're only maybe reimbursed fifteen dollars for a visit.
1: Yeah, and, and and you're touching on some things which are sort of under like the Health Studies Institute here at Rider, where we're bringing in all these different um, players that are involved mm-hmm. in the healthcare setting, and, and they all they they all they all play a role. Yes. Um. And um, we will hear more about these things. I want to ask um, you questions about what's happening here at Rider. because yes. I know you want to talk about that. Yes. Um. And how one might make a decision about how to pursue this. Um, career in nursing at, at the different levels. But we're going to take a break for some underwriting announcements. You're listening to Health 411 on 1077 The Bronx and 1077 thebronkcom
0: A dose of knowledge a day keeps a doctor away. Rider University's Health Studies Institute presents Health 411. And back with your daily dosage is Dr. Jonathan Carr, Professor of Biology, Behavioral Neuroscience, and Health Sciences.
1: 1077 in the Bronx, 1077theBronx.com, live from the Killarney's Public House Studios. You're listening to Help 411. Antonia and I are in the studio today with Dr. Laurie Prohl, um, who's on the faculty here at Rider University. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about uh, nursing and many, many aspects of it. Um, Dr. Prohl, one of the things that you do here at Rider University is you're in charge of our things in nursing, yeah. whether it's our RN to BSN program, which you mentioned those things exist, whether it's an MSN program now that we're, we're having. Can you tell us a little bit about those things?
2: Yes. So I just joined in September and I kind of hit the ground running in the development of the Masters of Science Nursing proposal. And we're going to be opening up two tracks, a nurse practitioner tracks within that degree. Oh. One is for family nurse practitioners and one is for the adult Gero primary care nurse practitioner. And I'm sorry that's so long, but like I said, with the LACE model, we want to use our terminology consistently. Okay. Um, those are two primary care roles. Um, it's just a matter of the populations that they serve. So
1: family family, family medicine or gerontology?
2: So family medicine or adult gerontology. Okay, so okay. a family nurse practitioner can take care of infants to geriatrics. An adult nurse practitioner basically starts at the age of 13 but then takes care of geriatrics. So it's it's a pretty widespread, even if you tend to choose that adult mm. role. Um, the family the family nurse practitioner, I personally selected the family nurse practitioner because working in areas training. in primary mm. care, I just felt like that could best serve all the populations. And it has, it's been richly, richly rewarding. And those are the highest enrolled programs across the nation, mm. family nurse practitioners. So yes, yeah, so we hit the ground running, developed the curriculum, developed the proposal, uh, making connections with the university and what we had to develop in order to open up a program like this. And great news, this is very appropriately scheduled because the program just passed the New Jersey President's Council yesterday, yesterday. Which is one
1: of the regulatory hurdles to have a new program approved at a a university in the state of New Jersey.
2: So our next step, so this program will be exclusively online. Um, there are um, several core courses that every nurse practitioner takes, um, so no matter what track you're in, you'll be taking these courses uh, all as one. And then um, when you get to the direct care courses, they really break off, and they are based in population. And, and that's, that would be a pediatric course, a young adult, a middle adult, and then an advanced geriatric course. During those direct care courses, they, you complete clinical hours. So you have to go out there and practice in the role that you're preparing mm-hmm. for, basically. Mm-hmm. You do that with a preceptor. And uh, those are all required elements that you need in so order to graduate. So people who
1: might be thinking about doing this, what kind of background should they have What's the, who, who are the ideal students for these, these programs?
2: So the, so for the admission criteria, and this pretty much the same across the board, no matter what kind of nurse practitioner program you're going in, um, you obviously have to be an RN first. You have to have a baccalaureate degree in nursing. And, um, there's a few required courses they recommend you take in your baccalaureate levels. And most people take this already a statistics course, a health assessment course that you would take in nursing and a research course. Um, The reason why you have to have kind of those standard, those um, foundational courses, because we build on that in the um, nurse practitioner programs. So so those are your candidates. And and just honestly, a passion to do this. This is not an easy degree because of the clinical hours. It's it's a uh, huge time commitment. Um,
1: Can somebody do these programs while still working?
2: Absolutely. Yes. And most do, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, You would just be a part time student, you know, because I always tell students that want to work full time and go to school full time um i I always tell them can you work two full-time nursing jobs if because if you can't do that then you can't do this or or sometimes i'll say to them if you want to do if you want to take this program full-time talk to me later and let me talk you out of it (laughs) um you you want to give yourself time to kind of process what you need to do um and every some of these courses built uh so you want to have the experience of one course before moving on to the next. right
1: i can imagine you wouldn't want the 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 requirements of the stress of work to interfere with schooling. Absolutely. And you certainly don't want your schooling to interfere with your ability to do your job well Absolutely. and safely. And, 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 and you know, like that. we
2: want everybody to have a family too. Mm-hmm. That's, that was really the importance of, of having this program online. So it was accessible. It was mm-hmm. accessible to a wider population. Um, and, and people could maintain that work life balance you need to have a life um, with, their, with, their, with their education. So, but yes, most, most of my students that I've taught in the past in other programs, they worked full-time and they uh, did their studies part-time. And um, fortunately with nursing, it's such a beautifully diverse uh, profession. You can do things like work three 12-hour shifts and, um, and then still have another two days off a week to do what you need to do for school. Mm-hmm. So.
1: Yeah, and, and this is a, a a growing field. I think one of the reasons why Ryder is moving in this direction and we brought you on board is mm-hmm. we see this as an area with a lot of potential, both um, for Rider and for putting qualified, motivated, smart people into the community.
2: Yes. Yeah, so, so along with the with the essence of the Affordable Care Act was to give people access to more primary care providers, more wellness, more screening. You have to prepare them and put them out into the community. So mm-hmm. yes, these programs are exploding. Um, it, because more people are getting health care health insurance. So we need more providers out there to reach these to reach yeah. these individuals. And
1: access is a good thing.
2: And access you is You mentioned
1: in the break, one huge. of the things that came out of the Affordable Care Act is more people have access to health care than they right. did before.
2: So now that they have access, the providers need to be there and meet them halfway. Right. And, and,
1: and you said an interesting thing one of the benefits of having access is you can sometimes nip things before mm-hmm. they become life ending.
2: Of course. Kind of so so in my very very early years in this in this profession, people without insurance and there are several people for various reasons that don't you know that chose not to have insurance or that were unable to obtain it due to cost, Um, you know, these were the individuals that you would see that because they weren't getting their cancer screenings, for example, they, they would be coming in and getting diagnosed where they were very, very ill or very, very sick. And, um, you know, their prognosis wouldn't be as, as good. Now that people have access to screening that all wellness activities with the Affordable Care Act are, are basically free. You can get a flu shot for free. You can get a mammogram for free. Um, that promotes people actually going to get it going to get it. And, um, people get, you know, we're monitoring them early on Mm -hmm.
1: and you are part of the effort to train people to go out there in the communities to provide these sort of things.
2: Yes. And it's, it's very exciting. So we'll, it's going to be a full online program. So it's not even just in my community or in this or the riders community, but we're going to open up in several different States. So we're going to reach those States that, you know, may be, don't don't have as many primary care providers in their areas that we do around around right
1: And because this is going to be an online program what you're basically saying is you don't have to be a New Jersey resident no, to participate in this No
2: Not at all no no not at all
1: so if you're Not an out-of-New Jersey resident, how does licensing go?
2: So you would apply for li- – so remember what I said. You After you graduate and get that degree, you sit for a national exam. So it's so standardized. Like that's classmate, exactly where I'm going. It's it doesn't matter what state the school right. is in. And then it's only once you pass that exam, then you go back to whatever licensing state that you want to. Mm-hmm.
1: Very nice. And for how would somebody know if this program is right for them?
2: Um, well, you need to be committed online, (laughs) Mm -hmm. be comfortable as an online learner. Um, it's online learning is, and especially at Rider, Rider does, I I have to say, I've only been here a short time, but Rider does online learning so beautifully. The resources that are available to us as faculty to engage students in learning activities, um, are, are phenomenal. So online learning is more than just going on reading, posting a discussion question it's, it's engaging, you know, It's it, there's there's videos, you may be making videos as a student. So you really need to be comfortable with the technology, not that there won't be oodles of support for you, um, but you really should be comfortable and have access to the technology and just be open and ready to, to learn maybe what you don't know as far as that. So that, I would say that would probably be step one. Um, okay. And, again, otherwise that, it's the same as every other program, making enough and, time.
1: And, and what would you project somebody can do when they come through one of these programs? What kind of career opportunities are available?
2: For, for the students? Yes. So right now with the family nurse practitioner um, program, the, typically family nurse practitioner students um, work in um, family practice settings. Um, they, they tend to work more in primary care settings. I should probably just say that across the board. But family practice settings, retail health, for example, that's where I am, the CVS Mm -hmm. clinics, urgent cares, because again, that's across the populations. Mm -hmm. Um, I started out my career actually in college health um, because that was a primary care environment.
1: So Uh, you're sort of saying people will work for larger organizations as opposed to going up and putting out a shingle.
2: Correct, but you could like, put out a shingle. Okay. You, you could absolutely put out. There's plenty of nurse practitioners that have put out a shingle as well, um, and and have been entrepreneurs. So that's that's definitely a possibility. But it could be from the range of just um, in a small private practice to working within a larger healthcare organization. Mm -hmm. Um, It's more just along the lines of of the population that you're caring for. Now, the adult Gero kind of opens it up a little bit more because you you specialize a bit more in that advanced geriatric setting. So that's where it may open up those possibilities of um, assisted living facilities, geriatric care facilities, internal medicine practices, rather than... um, uh, family practices and specialties.
1: Yeah. And, and specialties. you're mentioning a lot of things that the projections say there is a huge need for these things going forward. So yes. there's plenty of job opportunities for somebody who would come and complete these programs yes. and stuff like that. Your enthusiasm is infectious, <laughs> and I'm sure that comes through on the online courses that um, are part of our new MSN program here yes. at Rider University. Unfortunately, we, um, we are running out of time, so I am going to have to end the program, but thank you so much, Dr. Prahl. Um, you're listening to 1077 The Bronx and 1077 thebronkcom We're live from Killarney's Public House Studios. This program is part of the Rider University Health Studies efforts to bring people together to address issues associated with all aspects of healthcare, I hope today's program has helped inform you about nursing with an emphasis on nurse practitioners and their role and with a little introduction to Rider's new programs, mm-hmm. which are going to be online. I'd like to thank our guest, Dr. Laurie Prohl, who heads the program here at Rider. Thank you so much. Thank Tomorrow. you. If you have questions and or comments about this program or the Health Studies Institute at Rider University, please email us at health411 at rider.edu. Thank you again so much. Thanks
0: for taking the time to listen to your health with Health 411. Dr. Jonathan Karp is here from Rider University's Health Studies Institute every Sunday at 11 a.m. For more information about the Health Studies Institute's programs, call 609-896-5093. That's 609-896-5093. Or find their webpage on rider.edu under Academics and Academic Programs. Be sure to tune in every week to expand your knowledge and perspective. And don't forget to stay healthy.